0: Good morning. <clears throat> that is amazing, isn't it? That's an incredible sign of God's faithfulness, both to us as individuals, but also to the to His body and His church. You want your notes, Phil? It's important. To get your notes. <clears throat> no, I'm just blown away. And, I just <clears throat> and my name is Jamie, I'm one of the elders of the church here, um, and I'm privileged to speak to you, but. It's just great to be in this position to thank the church for its generosity. Um, you know, that's a sign of faith, isn't it? It's a sign of trust and <clears throat> belief in who Jesus is and what he gives us, for the provision that God gives us. And, um, you know, what, what Sarah, and, and, and Eve, uh, Sarah and Eve, Sarah and Phil, <laughs> Sarah's married to Eve, Sarah and Phil were speaking this morning, um, <clears throat> were saying that, um, well, they didn't say was this is, you know, we We've refurbished this building, and we're 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 in debt to 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 a bank because we took out a loan, and we just want to pay this off as soon as possible. And this is going towards that. That's the amazing thing, and it it helps us to pay it off so much quicker. Um, So we're just so blessed and just so thankful as leaders in the church for this the expression of faith that that represents faith in God, but also faith in the leadership and the faith. In the vision and direction of us as a church, that you trust us with your money, isn't that great? You do, and that—that that to us is a, is a real affirmation um, of, of where God is. You know, God is God is in control. God is leading us, and we're so thankful for that. You are behind us in all of this, not just turning up on Sundays, not just being committed in community groups, but committed in how you give financially as well to support what we do, what we, what we believe God is calling us to do. So I'm speaking today on um, continuing our series on praying together. We've been, as part of this vision of, of what God's talking, is, talking to us about, we feel that God is talking to us about the importance of being together and praying together in particular. There's, <clears throat> there's examples in the Bible of when people come together and pray, God moves. There's examples in history when the church comes together and prays faithfully and earnestly and God moves. And so we've, we were doing this series on praying together to encourage us as a church to be a place that's praying together. And we've been looking at various images over the last few weeks um, of, of what that looks like um, in terms of what it looks like to pray together. How does the elements fit in and how does that work out in, in this uh, opportunity to come before God uh, as a people and bring our request towards God. Um, <clears throat> last week was talking about combat and how God equips us with his armour and his tools to pray, to pray against the powers and principalities that rule over parts of this world. Because we know, don't we, that our battle, as Paul says, is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers and principalities. Um, and, we, and so God equips us to do battle with those things. Um, so faith, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, and the shields of faith, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation on us, all those things that God equips us with. <clears throat> and this week I want to be talking about how <clears throat> praying together is like creating a fire. So today's the image of, of a fire it's interesting we started singing the the song this morning, wasn't it, Let the Rain Come. And that's talking about the same thing that I want to talk about today is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, We talk about the rain coming, the rain, the refreshing power of the Holy Spirit coming. And today when we talk about fire, we're talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit in the same way. And it's things like, you've got fire and water. Surely one puts the other out. But God gives us images, God gives us pictures in the Bible to encourage us of what... God's kingdom and what God's power looks like. So, I want to be talking about how today we want to be building the the fire of God's presence in us when we come together and and pray together. We want to be building this place where the Holy Spirit moves and comes in power. And in order to do this, I believe, in order to build the fire of God's presence, we need to plan and persevere. It doesn't just happen, it takes faith on our part. It takes faith to believe what God says and put it into practice. And it takes perseverance in, in continuing to do those things, to see, the, to be building a place where we pray together, where God's presence dwells amongst us. There's something about a fire, isn't there? A real fire. It's not just about the functionality of providing a, a, a tool to cook with or a place just for heat. But I think it touches all our senses, doesn't it? A fire, a proper fire, if you're building it. It's a place where people draw around, isn't it? Traditionally, it was a place where families gathered around and shared stories and communities. It is a place where food is cooked and meals are prepared. But there's, there's light, it draws you in, doesn't it? It draws you in. If you're, if you're out in the dark and you see a fire, you want to be drawn into where that, that fire is, don't you? Because you know it's going to be warm, it's going to be comforting. And there's something about, there's something evocative as well, isn't it, about the smell of a fire, the wood smoke. I love it sometimes in autumn when you're out in the countryside and you, you smell a fire and you think, oh yeah, it, just brings, it evokes such things in you, doesn't it? It touches us deep down. There's something that, about a genuine fire, a real fire that draws people in. And that's what we want to be building when we start praying together. We want to be a place where the genuine expression of God's presence is and it draws people in. <clears throat> when we moved into the flat that we, we live in now, about 20 odd years ago, there was this horrible imitation gas fire in, in our lounge. And we, we knew right at that moment when we moved into the flat, we didn't want that. It, it may give, give off a bit of heat, which is what it was there for, but it didn't look nice. It didn't provide a, an atmosphere that we, we felt we really wanted. So we put in a real fireplace in our flat and built a fire because we wanted the real thing. We didn't want an image. We didn't want a fake. You know, Sometimes you can put a picture of a fire, can't you, on a screen to think, oh, there's a fire. We've done it occasionally here on a Sunday when we've gathered after church to have what we call our lazy Sundays when we gather together and just have food together, hang out together. And we've often put up a little picture of a, of a fire because often, when you're out around someone's house, it's a lazy Sunday afternoon, you get your fire going. But it, it was a nice picture. Showed flames, but you didn't get the heat. You didn't get the smell. You didn't get the, 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 the atmosphere, the, the warmth of just drawing around it. There's nothing like the real thing. There's nothing like the real thing. And there's nothing like the real thing the genuine presence of God in His Holy Spirit. When we come together to pray together, so I'm just going to read from a passage from the Bible. This may be familiar to some of you. Um, this is in the beginning of um, a book called Acts in the Bible. This is in the New Testament. And this talks about the beginning, if you like, of the early church. And let's read what happens when they are praying together, when they come together in obedience to Jesus. What happens? So Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Hopefully these verses come up. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, don't necessarily need to worry about what Pentecost means at this moment. It was a Jewish festival, something where they gathered together to to celebrate God. But when the day of Pentecost arrived, they, that's the followers of Jesus, who'd been with him when he was alive, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled... The entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. This isn't talking about some impersonal power or force, but it's about meeting and encountering the living God in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and meets with Jesus' disciples at this moment. It says they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And there are images that go on around it that seem to explain the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit visits this prayer meeting in the early church, I think three things start to happen. Firstly, this tongues of fire seem to come down on individual people. The Holy Spirit comes and touches each individual presence. With it says what appears to be tongues of fire. Now fire burns up, doesn't it, and transforms. When I build a fire in my fireplace, I get pieces of dead coal and dead wood. And when you light it, it transforms these dead things into heat, into light, into something that gives off and gives out to others. Fire transforms things that are dead. Wood and coal are fossilised bits of dead things. Um, But when you light it, when it's ignited, it's transformed. It transforms these dead things into something that gives light and heat and atmosphere to people and brings almost hope to people. That's what the Holy Spirit does when it comes and touches individual people. we're praying together the power and the presence of the holy spirit comes and transforms us those of us who are dead in our sin as the bible tells us the holy spirit comes and transforms us into those that bring light and life to a world that needs to know the good news of jesus it transforms you and me into people who can shine out and bring good news and bring hope into people's lives it transforms you it takes you from this place of maybe darkness and brings you into a place of hope and life. The Holy Spirit, the fire comes and transforms each individual at this moment into someone who's going to go out and bring the gospel to others. But it says the Holy Spirit comes and changes the very atmosphere. It says it fills the room where they are. There's, there's this sound of a strange wind that comes and fills the entire atmosphere of where they're, where they're meeting together. It's not just the individuals that are transformed, but transformation in their community seems to happen, in the space that they're in. The church, if you like, the place where people are gathered, is changed by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just individuals that are transformed, but something in the atmosphere around them changes. When these disciples were praying together, when they were meeting in obedience to what Jesus had told them to do, and I'll come on to that in a moment, they're transformed, they're touched by the presence of the Holy Spirit but they as a community are transformed. Something changes in the atmosphere around them. And the third thing that seems to happen is people become engaged with and take part in the activity of the Holy Spirit. It's not just something that's done to them. Yes, they're transformed. The Holy Spirit comes like a fire, burns up sin and deadness in them and brings them to life. Yes, it changes the um, atmosphere of the place they're in, the presence of God comes and moves like a pat- rushing wind. There's transformation in the, in the atmosphere around them. But they don't just sit back and let it happen. It says things happen. The Holy Spirit fills them and they take part in the activity of the Holy Spirit. It says they start to speak in other languages, other tongues, as the Spirit enables them. They become active with the Holy Spirit. They take part in the activity of God when the Holy Spirit comes and transforms them in this meeting place. <coughs> Excuse me. And what happens after this bit in Acts, this book in Acts, is that the foundation of worship and praying together and being filled with the Holy Spirit spreads to new homes, to new towns, to new people. Gifts are given and this, this gift of tongue is used in the, in the next bit in Acts to engage with people around them. So when, when other people hear them speaking in their own language, which they shouldn't be able to do because they're not language learners, they've not gone away and studied language, but they suddenly all start speaking in this language that others understand as they come from all over parts of the world. And they hear them talking. And this is, a, this is a, an engagement, this is a, a moment Where the Holy Spirit is at work. And Peter, one of the other disciples, gets up and preaches the good news of Jesus off the back of this activity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables Peter to stand. He provides an opportunity to speak about what Jesus has done. And Peter stands up and tells them, he shares the good news of Jesus, which causes many to repent and give their lives to follow Jesus in that moment. So people are transformed. The church is that the the community is transformed. And people engage in the activity of God. God comes and uses the church to bring the news of Jesus to others. And when we come together to pray, isn't this what we want? We come to pray, don't we want the presence of the Holy Spirit to come, transform us, to know that we're forgiven from sin? To know that what Jesus has done on the cross has freed us from the power and whole of sin over our lives. That we can be transformed by God's presence to be new creations. No longer dead in our sin, but new creations. New life being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to see the church have a new dynamic change in its work and life. We'd love to see that happen, wouldn't we? That's why we've been encouraging to pray together. Because we want to see these things. And also we want to be willingly and joyfully being used by God to bring his good news and his presence to others. Mike Betts, who's, who's the writer of the book, who's we're sort of following as part of this series, he says: In my experience, one of the best ways to see people grow in their gifting in their passion for Christ and his purpose, in their recognition and responsiveness to the Holy Spirit and his activity, is to expose them to and involve them in corporate prayer meetings. Leaders, church planters, evangelists, those empowering the poor and prophets can all be born in a prayer meeting. And that's what we want. We want to be building a prayer meeting like a fire, but the presence of God comes to bring transformation to people, to create new things, leaders, evangelists, prophets, those who minister to the poor. Because they're so often born in these moments when the Holy Spirit comes. So to build this fire of God's presence when we pray together, I think we need to plan and to persevere in this. Okay, it doesn't just happen, it's not spontaneous. When we decided we wanted to have a real fire in our flat, it didn't just happen. didn't think, oh, we'd love to have a real fire. If we'd done nothing, if we hadn't planned, that gas fire would still be there 20 years later. But we had to plan to remove the gas fire that was there. Actually, it wasn't a gas fire, it was an electric fire. We have no gas in the flat. It was just electric. Um, So it was, that needed removing. We needed to find a fireplace that would fit in the chimney breast we had. And once it was fitted, it looked nice, but it, again, it didn't just the fire didn't just appear in the grate just because we put a fireplace in. We had to, I had to go and buy fuel for it, the right fuel. I had to learn actually how to build it, how to how to make a fire, and you know, any if any of you have built a fire whether inside or outside, you know it takes a certain way of doing it, don't you? You can't just put stuff together and get a match and hopefully it'll light up. It takes a bit of planning. It takes a bit of understanding. It takes a bit of teaching to understand how to do it, doesn't it? To build that fire. I didn't start rubbing sticks together. I would still be here, probably waiting for the fire to start if I'd done that. Um, but there was, there was things I needed to put into practice to ensure that it would light properly and to, and to get going. And so when we talk about praying together, again, as Mike Betts describes in his book, it's like kindling a fire. We need to think about and plan for these moments. He says, because he's got a wood burner in his house, and he says, just as the fire in my wood burner takes a little planning, patience, and the right fuel, so does a prayer meeting. Planning, patience, fuel, spaces to let the flames and heat build. I'm not talking of whipping up emotion. It's not what we're talking about here. Rather, I'm suggesting there is a way to allow the Holy Spirit to build prayer meetings into something where He is decisively active in them. And so we need to be building in accordance with God's direction. What does that mean? That means we need to be understanding what Jesus teaches and we need to be putting it into practice. We need to be talking about faith. So the fuel we need to be bringing into this fire to create this space is, is teaching and faith. We need to plan around these things. Plan teaching about prayer, about the Holy Spirit, about the Gospel, who Jesus is, and we need to be responding in faith to say, "Well, if I really believe this, then I need to do something about it." The fuel that builds this fire is teaching and faith. In the Old Testament of the Bible, when you read, there, there, there are two genuine, there are two places really where the genuine presence of God comes and visits. If you're not familiar with the Bible, it's the Old Testament describes God's people. Israel and how God builds his presence with them, how he leads them and teaches them and provides a place where he meets with them. The holy God meets with them, an unholy people. He makes this, this happen. And, and there are two places where the genuine presence of God comes and rests during Israel's history. One is, some, is something called the tabernacle, which just basically means a tent. So it was a tent where the Israelites, when they were traveling around they didn't have a place to settle yet. They carried this tabernacle with them. They set it up where they settled. And that's where God would be. Moses went in, he received the teaching, passed it on to the people. God's presence was in the tabernacle. So that was in the time of Moses and the time of things called the Judges and King David. And then there was a temple built in Jerusalem in the time of the Solomon and the kings of Israel. And again, that's God's presence was in the temple. God came down and visited And a lot of the Old Testament, if you've ever had a chance to read it, is given over to elaborate details about what's needed to build the tabernacle, about what's needed to build the temple, and what happens once it's built, even down to the, the detail of the candlesticks, the doorposts, the curtains. There's so much detail. If you've ever read it, there's a lot of detail in there. A lot of the Bible is about the detail of, what, of how to build the, the place for the presence of God in the Old Testament. And when, they, when this was done, so it didn't just happen overnight, it took a long time to build these places and design them and build them, put them together. But when it happens, it's, it's, there's a, there's, when they meet together in this place, when they built it, it says the presence of God comes and fills it like a, f- a cloud, it's a place that they can't even enter because the presence of God is there. And that presence of God goes with them then and is resting in the temple. There's an astonishing thing that happens when the plans that God has spoken to prophets through actually take place and it's done in accordance with those plans. <coughs> Excuse me. These plans, these instructions were not man-made. They were God-given. God spoke to Moses. God spoke to prophets about how to build the temple. How to build the tabernacle. And people did it in accordance with those plans. And when we come to this passage in Acts, we see God's presence come down at the start of the church in accordance with God's plan. And the disciples' obedience in following what Jesus says. It says they were in a place all together to start with. So they, they planned to be together. But why were they together? Why were, in the, why were they in this room, or in this house, it says all together? Well, because Jesus had told them to go there. That's what he'd said. In Acts chapter four, sorry, Acts chapter one, verse four, before this, Jesus is still with his disciples after he's been raised from the dead, been crucified, Jesus has been crucified, raised from the dead. He was meeting with his disciples and he was giving them instructions again. And he said, go and wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and gives you power. So what did they do? They went and waited in Jerusalem, in a room, together, in obedience with what Jesus had told them to do. God's plan, God's design. The disciples were faithful. They they trusted what Jesus said, and they went and did it. They were meeting together in this room. And there they encountered the genuine fire of God's presence. And it's not the place, it's not the structure that's important anymore, but the essential building block of a genuine relationship with God is our belief and trust, our faith in Jesus and what his death and resurrection have done for the world. So our faithfulness is doing what he says, putting our trust in Jesus. So we need to be building our individual lives and our times of prayer together around the gospel. What that is, is the person and work of Jesus. Jesus. It's important personally that we're doing this, but it's also important when we meet together. When you build a fire, you build it around something. You start it on either a firelight or something that's going to bring ignition. And for the church, it's building it around the person and work of Jesus, the teaching about Jesus, the teaching of who Jesus is, the teaching of why we can have faith and belief in Jesus. Because he died and rose again. And he's ascended. And he's seated, as we've heard about already, in in heaven. Seated on the throne of heaven, it says. Which is a place that signifies all authority over everything. So Jesus is there. So we need to be building our lives. If we want to be building a genuine praying together. Not just coming and giving a list to God and say, please do this, do this, do this. We need to be building it around the teaching of Jesus, and we need to be believing in that and we need to be following it. Teaching and faith are the fuels of building a time of prayer together. I was reading a a blog the other day by a guy called um, Eddie Arthur, who's who's a mission writer. He writes on missions. has done for many years. He's translated Bibles. And he wrote this recently in a blog. He said, evangelicals are pragmatists. Evangelicals is a group of church. Christians that believe, that they say that the Bible is the truth, and with that, we we stick to the truth. We stick to the Bible. Um, And so we would count ourselves probably as evangelicals. We teach from the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. He says they're pragmatists. And we think about what we do and what we hope to achieve rather than why we do whatever it is we do. I think that's so important when we come to praying together. We can spend a lot of time maybe creating the atmosphere, planning, putting things in place, being practical. But we can actually neglect why we're doing it in the first place, which is to, to create a time of praying together, a space where the Holy Spirit can move, where the Holy Spirit can come and, and, encounter, and we can encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit. So when we're talking about building a fire, we're not just talking about building the structure, we're not just talking about building the, putting building blocks in place, as it were. But we're also allowing space for the Holy Spirit to come. Because that's what we want. We want the Holy Spirit to be at work. So we need to plan. We need to plan these things in in, in place. But there's also persevering. So we can plan it, we can get the fire going. But for the disciples in this moment in Acts, what they did was this was the first time they'd encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was extraordinary. But what happened is, as I said earlier, is that this went out to other people, to towns, to new homes, to new people. It wasn't just a one-off, oh, that's burned brightly, that's fantastic, we enjoyed that, that's amazing, I loved it, I go home. No, they knew this was important because they knew this was going to be a way that the world was reached with the good news of Jesus. They persevered in it. And I don't know if you've ever lit a fire, but once a fire goes out, it takes a lot of effort to re Ignite it. It's a lot more effort. You've got to clean out the grate. You've got to put all the fuel back in place again. It takes a lot more effort once a fire has gone out to get it relit again. It's much easier to keep the fire going. And that takes perseverance. If you've ever had a fire, you need to keep keep a lookout on it. You just need to work out where it's burning well, where it's not burning well. Where do I need to add a bit more fuel? Where do I need to start getting down on my knees and blow? to just fan it into flames again? Do I need to give it a good prod with a stick? Come on, it needs, to, it needs a bit of active encouragement to get going. Um, that happens with a fire when you're building it, but it keeps it going, and it's much easier to do that. And so when we talk about perseverance, we need to be <coughs> excuse me, in a place where we can be open to the Holy Spirit, aware of what's going on, looking around. We need to persevere. Jesus, when he's teaching about prayer, in Matthew, he talks about ask, seek, and knock. That's about persevering. It's not just one-off event, come on, you know, you keep going, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Persevere. Jesus tells a, a parable in the Gospel of Luke about a persistent widow in Luke chapter 18. And it says at the beginning of that in verse one, it says Jesus teaches this parable about how to pray and not lose heart. Because it is easy to lose heart. The enemy would love us, the devil would love us to stop praying, would love us to stop praying together. So the easiest way to do that is for you you and me to lose heart. Just give up. Oh, we're not seeing answers to prayer. Oh, it doesn't work. I'm not going to come along anymore. Oh, I didn't feel anything the last time I was in a prayer meeting. I didn't feel it, anything. Oh, obviously God's not there or I'm not good enough. We can lose heart when we pray. so easy to lose heart. It is easy, but God says persevere. Jesus says ask, seek, knock. Don't give up. This persistent widow got the justice she was demanding from from this judge. Because she was persistent, it said. He gave in because I just can't, just give up. She keeps coming back and back and back, so I'm just going to give in. He was an unjust judge. And God, we know, is a good judge. He's a good God. So how much more will he give, it says, of the Holy Spirit to those who ask and seek? So let's be persevering in prayer. And the disciples weren't just doing nothing at the moment the Holy Spirit came And this passage in Acts. They weren't just doing nothing. I said they'd gone in obedience to what Jesus had said. They'd obeyed his teaching. They'd remained in Jerusalem. They were together. But they weren't just sitting, chatting, having coffee, having a nice time. Although Arabic coffee is very nice, I like Arabic coffee, really good. They weren't just doing sitting around doing that. It says they were praying, so they were already praying before the Holy Spirit came in this and massive power encounter. They'd been faithfully praying and seeking God, and for a good chunk of time. They hadn't given up, they hadn't lost heart because they'd been taught by Jesus to persevere, persevere in prayer, to wait. Jesus said, wait, go to Jerusalem and wait for the moment the Holy Spirit comes. They didn't try and manufacture anything, but they prayed. They faithfully obeyed what Jesus had said and done. They applied the teaching of Jesus and they were praying together and then what happened? The Holy Spirit came, transformed them in this moment of praying together. It says later on, after this moment, that the disciples, it said, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So they were faithful in applying themselves to Jesus' teaching. To being together, to praying together and they were still continuing with the activity of God in the Holy Spirit it says because many were filled with awe and wonder at the signs that were being performed the activity of God the Holy Spirit using people to bring healing to bring new life to people with the gospel of Jesus people were engaged with the activity of God not just once at this moment in acts, but continuously as they devoted themselves to the teaching. And we don't just do one of one-off events that burns brightly for a moment. And we go away and think, that was amazing. Well, hey, wasn't that fantastic? Because we want to be a church that is building an, enduring cur- building an enduring culture of praying together. And so we need to be planning and we need to be bringing the fuel of teaching and faith into our lives into the life of the church. So we're building an enduring culture of praying together, one that builds a fire and a place for the Holy Spirit to come. So we plan as a church, don't we? We plan prayer meetings. We plan, we've got one this afternoon. So we're doing every Sunday between three and four, we plan to come together, to pray together. We plan that. That's what the church does. We plan three Sundays every month. That's about probably 30, 30 times we gather together a year. To pray together. The church puts that. We've, we've planned that. That's what we thought. We thought God's teaching us on this. We need to do it. We need to put it into practice. We have three weeks of prayer, don't we, throughout the year. Where we pray together. Where we use Zoom. Where we meet, come together and meet in the building. But there are times when we plan times for us to pray together. Okay, that's, that's where the church plans. That's where the eldership plans. That's where the staff team put in the diary. Things don't happen. Believe me. You have a good idea. Things don't happen unless you put them in the diary. Um, and But it's not just about those times of praying together. What about praying as a family? What about praying with your community groups, the groups that we have that we encourage people to be part of, where you work out your Christian life? What about praying with friends? What about meeting one another and just praying together? It takes takes planning, doesn't it? I've been really encouraged this week by the response to what we've been teaching through, through a WhatsApp group we have for those who are leading our, our, our midweek groups, our community groups, as we call them. There's been a real excitement about the series we're talking about, about praying together, and there's been a lot of buzz around, oh yeah, we've been talking about how we can pray in this setting, how we can do this, how we can maybe meet with, with uh, as individuals and pray together in couples. It's been really exciting. But what I would love to see is that translated into something happening. That takes planning. It takes someone to say, let's meet on this day, at this time. Okay, good. It takes planning. Someone needs to plan stuff. But then we as individuals, don't we, we need to be planning our own lives. I bet, imagine many of you thinking about a holiday maybe this year, going somewhere. It doesn't just happen, does it? You plan. You put the date in the diary. You book the time off work if you're at work. Because otherwise it won't happen. You speak to the person you're going on holiday with. Make sure you've got the same dates in your diary. Because there's no good thinking, I'm going on holiday. Oh, you haven't taken your time off work. Oh, okay. Um, You might need to get a visa. You might, if your passport's run out, need to get a passport. (laughs) Um, All those things, it takes effort and planning, doesn't it? And prep getting along to a prayer meeting takes planning as well you know you need to plan it into your life i'm not saying we should all meet together all the time but we put we the church plans prayer meetings how are you planning as individuals to get to those prayer meetings but also how are you preparing yourself when we come together because in 1 corinthians chapter 14 it says when you come together each one has a hymn a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for the building up. So the Holy Spirit, the activity of the Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit are there to build the church up. But he says, when you come together, each one of you has something. But if you're not planning, and if you're not putting Jesus' teaching into your life personally, you won't have anything to come with. So planning our our time around how we get teaching how we learn about jesus how we can be open to the holy spirit doesn't just happen it comes through teaching and how do we apply ourselves and plan for our teaching so we we put the planning in place we think about how the meeting might look it's good to have worship as i said build build around the gospel build around the person of jesus we start with some worship because that focuses our attention on jesus We don't just think, oh, what should we do? Oh, let's sing a song. No, we think we need to focus on Jesus. We need to remind ourselves right at the beginning of our time of meeting together who Jesus is, what he's done, what he's done for me personally. We need to be putting that into place. So we need to be thinking. We need to be planning. We need to be persevering in all these things of teaching. We do blogs about teaching about prayer to accompany the series. Look at those as you go along. Plan that into your day. When am I going to do that? When am I going to look at that? The church does teaching, but you need to also be thinking about how am I getting teaching into my life? How am I building my life around Jesus? You may not even be a follower of Jesus yet, and you're thinking this is all sounds a bit strange to me. But it sounds like there's something powerful that happens when people follow Jesus. Something happens. Lives are transformed. My community is transformed. The world can be transformed when I meet and encounter Jesus and His presence in the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to be building into our prayer meetings. So praying together is like creating a fire. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to worship again in a moment. We're going to again focus on Jesus. Build our life, it says, around Jesus. That song that we're going to learn, that we've been the new song that we've been learning, and it's going to be sung in a moment. Talks about a firm foundation in Jesus. We need to be reminding of who, of who Jesus is. So praying together is like creating a fire with the right materials of teaching, faith, so obedience on our part, and faithfulness, to so turning up, planning. We will experience the fire of God's presence as we pray together. Let's be doing that. Let's be... Planning and persevering. Let's not lose heart in praying together because we're building this fire of God's presence where the Holy Spirit will come, transform individual lives, build the church, and reach out to a world that needs to hear the good news of Jesus. <laughs> church. They stand.